Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 145 of The Yacking Show. This is a show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we're living in, and it's certainly changing. I have a co-host, and it's my duty to welcome her, but before I do, let me give her a plug. Kathleen wears another hat, and that is helping you solve your IT recruitment and development needs. So if you've got problems in that area, give her a shot. She's connected to some very bright people. I've seen some of the work they do. So first of all, and of course, we always have interesting guests, but Kathleen introduces our guests way better than I do. So first, welcome, Kathleen. How are you on this somewhat gloomy fall day in Ontario? (laughs) I'm doing great, Peter, and thank you for that intro. Appreciate it. And we so appreciate you tuning into our show. We love reading your comments, so do please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. He's an author, Moshe Mikanovsky. Hello, Moshe. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, hello. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm great. And I think the weather where I am is about the same as yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Moshe, Hi, Moshe. You, nice you are you. the author of the, the Resurrector, and we mm-hmm. will get into your book in just a little bit. It is scheduled mm-hmm. to be published sometime in December, and we can talk about that again. Um, but first, before we get into your book, can you tell our audience a little bit about your background? And, and you're not from Canada, but you live in Canada now. So how did that all come about? Yeah, so originally I'm from Israel. That's also where my name and my accent coming from. And um, I uh, was uh, born and raised over there, uh, went to school over there, um, did uh, the army service uh, like everyone. And then um, I got married and uh, with my wife, um, I was uh, actually um, a software developer. So I started as a software developer back in the army. And then my first job, I got relocated to, we wanted to see the world a bit. So we, before we had the kids, we decided let's go for a few years to uh, wherever they will send us. So um, I found a job with a company that relocated me to the States and I was actually in uh, Detroit, in the Detroit area. Uh, I was there for uh, six years. Uh, Two of my daughters were born over there. Um, And um, every time, you know, that we had to decide, are we going to stay here or not? We decided, yeah, let's stay another year or another two years or whatever it is. Then uh, I had to uh, leave the States because my visa expired. So we moved to Toronto. Uh, and we are here since then. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very good, very good. But <clears throat> before we get into your book, Moshe, you, you've spent a lot of time in product development, as you've just said, in <clears throat> software development. So yeah. tell us a bit about that part of your life before you became a writer. Yeah, so I started as a software developer, and for 20 years, I was working on the software development side. I did a lot of many different jobs in um you know, different areas of, of the uh, organization. And then um, about 10 years ago, I decided to kind of switch gears and focus only on product management because I really mm-hmm. love that uh, uh, gap uh, or being the bridge between the business and what users want and the developers. Mm-hmm. Um, being a developer and have that experience, and I'm sure, you know, Kathleen, you are in that business, you, you appreciate that. Um, it, it's, um, it's a very um, good thing for product managers to have because we know how to speak with the developers. We, sometimes we have uh, also um, uh, powers to 
try to give them some solutions, but I had to learn that you know, in the first days as a product develop, uh, manager, that I am more focusing on the users, the business, the problems we're trying to, sell, to solve and creating a value. And the developers are more focusing on the solutions they're trying to create. Um, so that's what I, I'm doing in the, in the past 10 years. I always loved being a creative person. So um, I used to paint and draw. You, you can see some of my old paintings behind me. Mm-hmm. And um, this actually used to be my, my uh, studio, but when COVID uh, started, uh, it became my, um, my uh, home office. And <laughs> uh, so, so I always have to create some stuff. As a kid, I always thought I would be an architect. Uh, then um, I kind of got into software development in the army, like I mentioned. And um, software development is also very creative. It's a very different type of creative, but it's also a creative, uh, um, you know, job. So I, I do enjoy doing it, uh, building building products for people. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's really. And I also love talking about it. And uh, I have a podcast uh, related to that. So I'm I'm still kind of uh, in two worlds. Ah. I've got a joke. Kathleen, sorry, I want to ask Moshe something else quickly. You've been involved in product development and software development for a long time, 20 odd years. What are the biggest changes over that period? Is it it a programming language? Is it um, applications? Is it uh, hardware? What's the biggest changes? It's everything. It's actually everything. Everything. So when I started, it's actually 30 years ago, um, I started developing on uh, mainframes, on Mm -hmm. mainframes. Uh, there was no internet, uh, there was no phones, you know, cell phones. Uh, we, we basically developed over um, uh, monitors that were connected with, with uh, the mainframe. So it was one big computer uh, underground. Uh, yeah. Then it evolved to smaller computers and smaller computers. So things, you know, evolved in different ways. I remember the first day a friend from uh, in the army came over and he said, oh, I've heard you, did you ever heard about this internet? And we're like, what are you talking about? So, <laughs> so things things change a lot, and of course, with the uh, the last fifteen years with mobile phones and, and smartphones and all that stuff. So definitely a lot have changed. It's it's the technology, it's the hardware, it's the software, it's uh, people understanding also what is capable mm-hmm. and what is not. So these days, um, I'm mostly working on B two B business to business enterprise systems and B two B two C. Uh, so business to business to, to consumers, uh, but it's really not so much consumers. It's more like uh, end users that need to use something. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but but these days people are so used to applications they have on mobiles and on the internet that they wanted the same experience also in enterprise systems. Mm-hmm. So what was available for us to do in the past with enterprise is a big no-no these days because people will not accept it anymore. Right, uh, <clears throat> right, right, right. All the time. Sure. Interesting stuff. Kathleen, sorry, back to you. So as you mm-hmm. mentioned, you're also a podcast podcaster. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Is there a theme to your podcasts? Yeah, yeah. So my podcast is called Product for Product. So it's also on my product side of life. And um, back in March this year, I connected with um, a guy on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, he's from, his name is Matt Green. He's from um, Atlanta. And he told me, yeah, he has, uh, he started his own business. Um, he's more into um, BI analytics and uh, he was moving into product and he wanted to learn a lot about the applications that are available out there for product managers. Um, so because there is a lot of stuff going on for product manager, like the stack of products we're using. So he wanted to start a podcast 
And I was always like, oh, I don't know. People tell me I should start a podcast. I don't know what it should be about, how unique it should be. And when I heard this idea, I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. So we are co-hosting it together, uh, like you guys. And what the theme is, uh, and it's called Product for Product. And the theme is products that people in product management are using. So, so, so what kinds of people then would you have on your show? So usually our guests will be people that are using specific products because we there is no way I can learn all the different products in the world and be able to smartly talk about them. So what we're doing is we have themes, uh, series of, of episodes with different themes. And then we, so let's say the theme is about um, product analytics. Uh, so we find which products are solving this specific uh, problem of product analytics. Then we reach out to product managers and we ask them, you know, which products are you using for product analytics? And then if they were comfortable to come and talk with us about the specific product they use, then we, we, we have them on the show. Um, yeah. It's a bit, yeah, so it's a bit tricky because um, it's audio only, we don't do videos. So, and we also, we don't want them to give us a, a demo of it. So they have to talk about it. So some of the things are a bit uh, like uh, more theoretical than actual. Mm -hmm. Uh, but but also we don't we only um, um, uh, interview um, users of these products, not the companies behind them, because we don't mm -hmm. want them to be marketing biased or anything like that. Ah, uh, okay, okay, okay. And and I've got to say, for our audience, I listened to one of your, and I'm not a computer programmer at all. Um, <clears throat> I listened to one of your podcast episodes, and I did find it very easy to follow. Um, so, so for anyone out there who wants to learn about some product applications, then I would certainly recommend you get on to, to Moshe's podcast. Yeah, thank you very but much. I wanted to steer you in a little bit of a different direction. You've already told us you're creative and we've seen your pictures behind you. And you talked about writing, but being creative uh, and writing a book and then getting it published are two different things, right? Yeah. So, so where did the inspiration come from? Yes, you were a writer. Yes, you were creative, but you actually sat down and I've written a book. I know how hard it is. So yeah. how, what motivated you? Where was the inspiration? This one is a, it's an interesting story. Um, so I actually started writing The Resurrector in 2013. So it's been eight mm -hmm. years. Yeah. So it's been a very long time. Like you said, it's, it's a very long journey. And um, what, uh, what happened back then, if you're familiar with, um, I will explain it for the audience, uh, NaNoWriMo. So mm -hmm. NaNoWriMo is the um, National Novel Writing Month. Right. And every year during the month of November, people all over the world are sitting down to write a novel. And um, their definition of a novel is 50,000 words. And it doesn't have to be edited. So it's really first draft, so it can be very rough. The idea is to really sit down and come up with, with something, with the story. Uh, it could be also non-fiction, non of course, but a lot of people are writing stories. So in 2013, my daughter, she was in grade nine or 10 or something like that. And she also was uh, an avid writer. She loved writing and reading. So she decided she wants to do it. And she did it with a few friends. So I was like, you know what? I have this nugget of an idea in my head. I want to do it with you. And we sat down and we, we basically did it and we, we won the, um, the competition. It's, it's not really a competition. You basically compete against yourself. Yeah. And you win, you basically, um, you, you achieve the 50,000 word mark. 
So what they do, you have to basically upload onto their application, you know, the words that you're writing. Uh, so apparently you can't write the same word 50,000 times. That's not the story, right? Sure. But uh, they're not really checking, you know, that your story is, um, you know, a real story. They don't really read it. So it's really competing against yourself. It's more like a motivational thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and we arranged a few, um, you know, kind of parties at home that her friends came over. We sat around the table. We all, uh, you know, sat down and, and wrote and, and whatever. And the, so I had this nugget of an idea in the, in the, the resurrector actually started from the Hebrew, Hebrew words for that. This is a, a translation from Hebrew uh, where um, there is this uh, belief in the Jewish tradition that in the future, after the Messiah's days, um, there will be uh, the resurrection of the dead. Mm -hmm. And in the prayers, in the daily prayers of the Jewish prayers, every day, uh, three times a day, uh, we say in the prayers, um, you know, about God, that he is going to resurrect the dead. So there is this couple of words, words uh, so in translation is, is the resurrector. And um, the nugget of idea that I had in my head was, what if uh, there is a person that come to a family or to someone and resurrect one person for them, uh, like a dead person that, you know, they missing them or so what will happen? So that was like the what if. And from that, I had to create a story and I had to put them somewhere and whatever. So, so I um, decided to do what is, uh, what I'm comfortable with. Uh, what I'm familiar with, and I'm familiar with, you know, my background in Israel. So I put them in Israel, and I drove a lot of inspiration from my own background. Although it's a completely fictional story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, very good. And I'm going to again jump in very quickly and say, um, how how was the discipline when you started writing? Did you work, write at the same time every day, or the same number of oh, excuse me, same number of words every day? That, that's the idea. That's the idea that you try to create the discipline. Uh, but it's very hard if you don't have it. So they give you some tools at NaNoWriMo that can help you with that, like how many days you have to write a day and stuff like that. So if you plug your words every day, then you will see your progress. Uh, and then if you are behind, then there, there are days that you have to catch up and stuff like that. Or you want to write more so you will be ahead of the curve. So you're not going to be behind, especially if you know, oh, on this day, I'm going to have this plan and I will not have time to write and stuff like that. But I, I did um, try to create a habit of it, for sure. And um, I did it also in 2014 and, and 2015. So I have a couple of other stories in the drawer waiting to be uh, also made into a book. Uh, but the habit that I made was um, on the commute to work. I was on the subway and I would write on the subway on my phone. And then I would just send myself what I wrote uh, you know, and, and add it to my file. And then if I needed more words, I would try to do it at home later when I, when I got from work. But at least I, I use the commute to work and commute back to try as much as I can to, to write. Oh, very good. Wow, some good tips there. Kathleen, yeah. back to you. Well, I think you already answered my next question and that was to ask you about your book and whether or not it was fictional. So now that we know that it's fictional, let's uh, mm -hmm. let's uh, just uh, jump down a little bit to, for my other question. And, and that was, is there a lesson that you want people to take away from reading your book? And what lesson yeah. would that be? Yeah, so the book is about, um, you know, father and son relationship. And um, they were um, estranged before the, the son passed away. 
And uh, then what happened to the father, you know, once his son passed away and then his son is resurrected and he maybe can do something about it. And, and really the message there is how do we you know, not wait until it's too late? Because, you know, the resurrection is, it's fictional. To me, it's fictional. Um, you know, there is people that believe in certain aspects of resurrection, but in general, for all of us, we are mortal. Uh, life it can be unexpected sometimes. And when we have relationship with loved ones, we shouldn't really wait until, you know, there is no time really to amend those relationships. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, That's a great message. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, which makes me think, if I can jump in quickly, um, Kathleen mostly needs to be on, what was his name? The guy that uh, counsels men and uh, coaches men on how to be decent men. I'll send you his link. He, he, he has a podcast and he, yes. he's really good. And, and anything to do with father-son relationships would go down well with his audience. So that would be a good one, good one for you to be on. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I can't think of his name, but I'll find it. Um, so now, you you went a different route to conventional publishing. You know, I've self-published. Mine was a different type of book. Um, different people go to big publishers, uh, but that's difficult for a first-time writer. You, mm -hmm. you went a sort of hybrid route. Uh, so would you like to tell our audience how you did that and yeah. all the bits and pieces of that? For sure, yeah. So um, I never thought that uh, self-publishing is for me because... There is a lot of stuff involved there and you also have to, um, you know, pay for a lot of different things. And I, I don't know what the structure is. I never published before. So I, I wasn't comfortable doing that. I did look for traditional um, publication, but the way to do it is usually you have to find an agent and the agent has to like you and then they have to, um, you know, bet on you and then they have to sell it to publishers. And, and overall, it's all a big one bet of them. And what I've seen these days is that they like to have people that already has a uh, big platform. So lots mm -hmm. of followers, mm -hmm. they already know people. People, just by mentioning, oh, I wrote a book, uh, they will already be lining up to buy it. <laughs> and, and I also knew I didn't have that. So I did send some query letters um, in the last few years. And that's mainly why it kind of uh, sat in the virtual drawer for so long. Um, but I did, I did send some, some query letters and I ne never heard from, from any agents. So that didn't go anywhere. And then um, uh, in the beginning of the year, um, someone also that I met on, on um, LinkedIn and she was actually, she's a product manager. She was on my podcast as well. Um, she um, was uh, working on a book with um, the uh, Creator uh, Institute. And um, she mentioned on her LinkedIn that they're looking for new authors uh, or writers for the, their next cohort of, of authors. And the Creator Institute, what they do is it's a program that they, it's affiliated with uh, George, um, Georgetown University in, in DC. Okay. And uh, they basically in six months, they help you write a book. So they take you through the full process of writing a book. Mm -hmm. uh, so I talked with uh, their, the professor over there and um, I told them, listen, uh, I would love to be part of the program, but I already have a manuscript. Uh, should I write a new story or, or what do you recommend? So he said, you know what, if you have already a manuscript, let's send it to a new uh, degree press, uh, which is the press, the hybrid press that is taking 
all of their authors after they're done with their program. And if their uh, um, book is greenlit, so it, it's good enough for them, they will take them through the publishing process, which is another five to six months. So, so that's what I did. I sent them the manuscript. They, they liked it. They greenlit it. And I, I joined that uh, cohort. So I kind of skipped the Creator um, Institute for writing the book. And I went directly into, into the publishing. And the interesting thing about the hybrid model is that um, at the end of the day, you are self-publishing and you retain full um, um, ownership of your book. So whenever I sell the book, I'm getting 100% of the proceeds mm -hmm. for that. Other than you know whatever Amazon will take or sure. the other printers uh, print on demand or whatever it is, um, what they give me is the full support in that program to first of all understand the process, um, understand what is marketing, how do I sell the book, uh, but also all the editing and uh, cover design um, services. Mm -hmm. In order to do that, there is in the beginning um, a pre-sale um, period of 30 days. And in that pre-sale period, um, I sold, I pre-sold the book on Indiegogo. So I had a campaign over there. Um, I sold to about 160 people. So I know 160 people bought my book already. So uh, it shows also interest of people that want sure, to sure. the book. And they and then um, they are part of my author community, so they are helping me now with early um, uh, reviews of some chapters, a few better readers from that. Mm -hmm. um, I just got last week the or the beginning of this week uh, the mockups of three options for the design of the cover. So I send it to all of them, and they give me feedback about them, what they like, what they don't like, and stuff like that. So I, it will be easier for me to choose. Um, and then at the end, when everything is published, they will already get my book. Uh, those that bought um, a signed uh, um, uh, copy will get a signed copy. So it, it's really pretty um, um, community-based uh, type of um, uh, approach. Mm. Oh, sounds good. good. Yeah. So this book hasn't yet been published. That's coming up sometime in December. But I have to ask you, are you thinking about the next book? Uh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that is the book that I wrote in 2014, and wow. um, it's actually um, a very interesting story. Um, I think it's an interesting story. I, I'm I'm very drawn towards like magic realism and and stuff like that. So like in the Resurrector, there is this resurrection of the dead. Um, it's not like uh, it's not like a zombie, or it's not like coming out of the grave and started walking around and every everyone seen. It's more of a dreamscape type type of thing that the father walk around like he he can see his son in in this dreamscape. Um, the uh, and interact with him and do things with him. The um, second book also had some some um, mystery over there and whatever, but it's very different. It's, it doesn't have a Jewish theme. Uh, because this one is it's quite, the, the, the resurrector happens in Israel with my background, like in the same city where I grew up. So there is all the traditions of the Shiva, sitting Shiva for the morning and, and all of that stuff. Uh, the new book is, uh, the second book is uh, going to be happening in Toronto. And um, so it's more local to here. Mm -hmm. um, my, my, my daughters are very excited about this one because they're connected much more with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so they really want me to, to, to see this, this book happen. So I have a drive there. Good, good, good. Uh, <clears throat> there's one I want to ask you about creativity, but like me, you came from a very hot climate to a very cold in winter climate. 
what, what's it, what was your biggest adjustment coming to North America? I mean, Detroit's even colder, I think, at some times in Toronto. So what do you find was the biggest adjustment? Yeah, Detroit is about the same. I think here, actually, the, it's a, a bit drier than Detroit. So the snow is drier, like all of this dusty snow most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that, um, you know, I'm, I don't know if I got used to it yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been since uh, 1996 so it's been a long time yeah. um it, you know it's it's very it's very what i like i do like the four seasons uh but to me um spring and, and summer still are the best seasons and i really appreciate the heat when people complain about it yes. so when yes. everyone complains here you know it's so hot it's so hot i'm like what are you talking about? It's nice. It's like that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What? Uh, how about language? Um, you obviously a fluent English speaker from your your learning and your work when you came to Canada, but mm-hmm. I would guess that Israeli English is a little different from Canadian English because I certainly found that Canadian English was very different from Southern African English. Yeah. <laughs> I, did you have any amusing incidents with, with terminology? Um, probably, yes. Um, <laughs> probably, yes. It's not that bad. It's really in Israel uh, because it's not, it's not really an official language English. So we, we speak Hebrew. Um, we do learn English from early age. I started in grade four, but these mm-hmm. days um, kids are even younger start learning English. And everyone over there, especially with high tech and all of that stuff, they really want yeah. to speak a lot of English. Uh, but it really depends on your teacher. So if your teacher was from England, you would have an English accent and you would use some English words. If your teachers sure. were from North America, it will be more American. So I, I that's what I found, that it's a bit more about who, where you're uh, teacher was from okay. and I had both I kind of had both um, and um, I most of my English I learned from reading books and, and I'm an avid uh, Stephen King reader so, oh, yes. so I read uh, a lot of Stephen King when I was younger and I usually what I would do to learn it uh, like my first one I read was Misery because I already saw the movie so I was like I know the story it will be easy to write to, to read the book right. so that's, right. that's how I learned a lot of my 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 English um, I did have some funny stuff. I, I think um, one of the first years uh, when I was in Detroit, I sent out before Rosh Hashanah um, a note to my friends, and I wrote over there, have a great year, uh, but I spelled it great with uh, G-R-A-T-E. A-T-E. <laughs> because it makes a lot of sense. Like, yeah. why would I spell it with G-R-E-A-T? <laughs> uh, so they That's were right. like uh, appreciative of that, I think. <laughs> Yes, we got to we got to watch our time. Before yes. I forget, I found the name, and I will be sending you his contact details. His name is Perdeep Sangha. Yes. Perdeep yes. Sangha. I knew and, it started um, with a P. <laughs> what was his podcast called? The Man Something Something Man, uh, Complete Man, or or something like that. I'll send you all the details perfect, and ma- make contact with him. You'll you'll enjoy him. You'll get on well with him. Yes. So, so what I want to ask you. Um, because Kathleen wants to ask you something in a moment. So I'm going to get in quick and say, you, you mentioned on your website, you, you believe you can, everyone can find creativity everywhere. So mm-hmm. just expand on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I, I sometimes see people that they think that creativity is about knowing how to paint or how to draw or how to do uh, things that are traditionally creative. 
And, um, and then they kind of dismiss the fact that, oh, they're not creative or whatever. But I think that this is really not what creativity is all about. Um, it, it's, it's really sometimes just thinking out of the box or solving problems in a way that is not the traditional way or, mm -hmm. or stuff like that. Uh, even juggling between tasks sometimes can be like, how, am, how can I be creative to do that? Uh, so, so that's where I'm saying like people can really find creativity in, in many different places and they shouldn't really think about creative equal, you know, drawing or painting or, or mm -hmm, something like mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and don't limit yourself to that because creativity could really open your mind to um, different ways to, to do things that otherwise you're just kind of like in a narrow place and it, it really opens up your opportunities, I think. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yes. Now, we're you. almost out of time, Oshie. Can yep. you tell us how people can contact you and how they can get your book? Yeah, definitely. So uh, first of all, my website, uh, mikanovsky.com. I do have over there two sections. One of them is for my author part. One of them is for my product manager part. So they can, uh, you know, go around and see. Um, then um, I'm on LinkedIn most of the days. I, I, that's my uh, preferred uh, social uh, uh, network. Okay. Um, I'm also on Facebook and inter Instagram, but LinkedIn is the best way to find me. This way. Yeah. And it's just um, Mikonovsky, like my last name, will be um, my profile. Um, I'm, you know, connecting almost with anyone that will connect with me, as long as they don't try to sell me um, uh, Bitcoin or some other stuff. <laughs> and um, yeah, so these are the main places. And then the podcast, uh, yeah, we, we host it on um, Spreaker, uh, but uh, we also have a page on LinkedIn that we, uh, and, and also on my profile, I will, I will tell people about it, that it happens. And then uh, on uh, all the major uh, podcasting platforms. Sure. Sure. And if people want to uh, get the book, yes. they, can't, they can't do it yet, but where right. would they go in December? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, the, the, uh, it should be mid-December. I hope everything will work as, as planned. Um, and um, if they want me you know, to let them know, then by all means, you know, send me a note. There is a contact page on my uh, website and also through LinkedIn. I can definitely send them a reminder when the book is coming out. And it will be available, um, you know, on Amazon, on Barnes and Nobles, mm -hmm. so uh, hopefully also in some stores. Uh, it, it will be out both in an ebook format and also as um, soft cover. Do you Excellent. have a, Do you have a specific date in December? Um, not yet. Okay. Um, I I hope it will be mid like fifteen around fifteen. Okay. Um, we will see how things work. You know, sometimes there are delays. That's the nature of these things. Right. Uh, so that's uh, what my publisher told me, you know, just don't uh, have a specific date. It's, it's mid of uh, December. Hopefully it's going to, to work out. Good. And time for Christmas presents for people. That'll be great. Yeah. Yes. It's a, after, it's a bit after Hanukkah, but that's okay. People can also buy it in January and February and any sure. time of the, of the year. <laughs> Thank you very much, Moshe. Thank um, you very much, uh, Peter and Kathleen, for having me. It was great. Oh, well, it was our pleasure having you. And uh, thank you also very much again for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you. And please keep those comments coming. And until next time, take care. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.